0: Welcome to the Fantasy Football Diagnostics Podcast, where we provide you with your weekly diagnosis of everything fantasy football. Whether it's season-long leagues, Dynasty, DFS, or even IDP, we got you covered all season long. Let's do it, let's do it, let's get to it. Welcome to the Fantasy Football Diagnostics Podcast, and of course, as always, it is your host, John June, at JRFootballNerd on Twitter and Instagram, and uh, y'all, it's May 15th. We are about 120 or so days away from the NFL season. Less than 120 days, I should say, from week one. The schedule's been released. Uh, it was released earlier this week. So we get football September uh, Well, September 12 is week one. That's Sunday. But then the, f- the first game will be, I think, September 9th or something something along those lines. I don't remember the exact day. Forgive me. But we start off with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and the Dallas Cowboys. So this will be exciting. Um, That'll be exciting to see the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, the defending champions, um, in week one, get to face the Dallas Cowboys. So it'll be a good game. I'm excited for some football. Um, And, you know, we're just getting closer to breaking it all down. And so, you know, this... uh, as we approach, you know, we're getting closer to Memorial Day, that's in a couple of weeks, um, you know, so I, I'm probably going to have one episode, come well, I'm definitely going to have one episode come out next week, so this episode that you're listening to, and then another one in a week from now, um, but then you probably won't get another episode from me, and maybe until the second week of June, so I'm looking at taking a, a short break here, um, you know, I got a birthday coming up, got uh, Memorial Day coming up, so just want to take some time, spend some time with family and and whatnot, and uh, just take a break. Um, so come back, reset myself, and and ready to, to just continue to deliver some some uh, good content, man. At least that's what I'm I'm striving to do. So hopefully y'all are still uh, enjoying it. I mean you should be because you're still you're still vibing with me, you're still listening. So I pre- definitely appreciate that. Um, so yeah, so again, except an, expect an episode from me next week. Uh, but then after that, you won't get one for the following two weeks. And then, uh, I'll come back, uh, June, June 11th is when I would expect a, another episode from me. Um, or June 12th, sorry, is when I would expect another episode from me, but everyone, um, this episode here, uh. We're not gonna get anything from me individually right now with within this little intro right here because I spoke to my guy, David Wright, Dave Wright, FF Spaceman on Twitter. Uh, dude is not just smart. he is hilariously funny. Me and him, we kicked it for like an like over an hour. Uh, just talking, we talked everything, NFL draft, we talked prospects, we talked uh, veterans on NFL teams, you know, we we talked about everything, man, it was a really good conversation, I definitely suggest that you listen to the whole thing, Um, and we had a ton of laughs on there as well, it was just a great time, he was a great guest, and um, definitely look forward to having him on again in the future, Um, but then... Definitely going to stick around for that and listen to that. And then next week, I do have another guest coming on. Somebody I'm positive you guys will definitely enjoy. Um But then again, after that, like I said, two weeks, uh, I'll take a break. Then you get Greg coming back in in July. So we'll go back to a two-man show in July. And the next thing you know, it'll be August. September, we'll be doing uh, five times a week. So again, kick it with your boys, man. Cause you know, we're, we're gonna deliver some content to you. So, you know, we're, we're grinding out here. We know a lot of people are grinding. We know everybody is. Um, but we definitely, definitely, definitely grind out here. So appreciate y'all for, Checking us out, appreciate you for listening. Make sure you are subscribed to the podcast. Make sure you're following on Spotify. Make sure you're rating and reviewing as well if you have the opportunity. We genuinely appreciate that. Um, but for now, make sure you catch this this interview that I have with my guide. Welcome into the Fancy Football Diagnostics Podcast. My next guest someone who I met on my very first live stream that I ever did. He's someone who's extremely smart. He's a very talented fantasy football analyst. He has a free database that anyone can access uh, if you want to do that. And he's a he's a writer for Dynasty League Football, co-host of the Tale of Two Rivals podcast and the Rookie Fever podcast. My guy Dave Wright does it all. Dave, thank you for coming to the show and welcome in.
1: John, it's a pleasure. I'm excited to be here. This is something that, you know, since we first met up on, I think it was a – Um, it was a big belly sports or belly up sport belly up sports sports. with Chris and B wit and stuff. And now uh, we're here. I'm looking forward. I'm glad we get to do this round too.
0: Yeah, man, it was almost like, uh, you know, eight months ago around this time, you know, I was just getting started on Twitter and you were one of the first people I met and, you know, you've been nothing but kind. And obviously, you know, you've, you've gone on to do, Really cool things, working with the IC League football, uh, with Ryan McDowell and all those guys. So that's that's been great. Um, but we're here to pick your brain about the post-draft fallout, uh, how the draft has impacted the fantasy football landscape, you know, all these different things. So uh, let's just start with the rookie class, man. What rookies to you – I know that you do modeling and stuff with, with data – uh, similar to what I do as well. So what rookies were the biggest risers for you post draft?
1: Well, I'm glad that we're doing rookies first off, because I thought, you know, my notes have all have XFL stuff. So I'm ready. I was ready to talk XFL tonight, but <laughs> no. Uh, <laughs> so no. All right. So, risers. Uh, this might, I'll just start off with one that might seem a little out of the blue for some people, but for me, it's Jalen Waddle. Um, if I'm just looking at him strictly from perspective and not having any context whatsoever, he's an unproductive or underproductive black. Does, we don't know what his athleticism is. according to his, his measurables undersized. He's a non breakout wide receiver and he, and that kind of profile and he's older too. He's not 20, 22 years old. Now he isn't early declare. There's other things to like about him, but he went as the wide receiver two at one Oh six. That's some insane draft capital for this kind of prospect. And for, so that, for me, that's a that's a big deal. So I had been kind of standoffish on him, knowing that most likely he was going to get some decent draft capital, but that early for me, ahead of Devonta Smith, ahead of some other wide receivers, really, I'm just going to call him a riser because I, I know a lot of people in the film can tell me that he's a, a, a just an electric route runner, does so many things well, and, you know, they're going to say that there was just a lot of that hold. there was a lot of mouse to feed in the Alabama offense. <laughs> I, I hear them, but he was, so he was going pre-draft. I had him in my wide receiver, the mid of my wide receiver three tier. And now I've moved up into my my second tier of wide receivers, which is a pretty big jump because I said beforehand, when I was doing my rankings, I was on the tail to Rivals with my, my co-host Todd Foster. And I said, there is no way Jalen Waddle doesn't matter if he goes one one I said, he's not moving up my draft board or he's not moving up a tier for wide receivers for me. Well, he moved up a tier of wide receivers. <laughs> so I think that's kind of probably shocked might shock some people to call him the biggest riser, because I think I saw him as a, as a faller on like PFF and some other places, but yeah, he's actually a riser for me.
0: Yeah. I, I, I'm like 100% on base with everything you said about Jalen Waddle. I mean, like you said the profile does not look great uh and you could watch the film and and you could see the explosiveness right and and whatnot and obviously see it but I was with you I kind of I had him I think I had him a wide receiver six pre-draft um behind guys like Rondell Moore behind uh you know Elijah Moore behind Devontae Smith um, you know, just kind of in that sweet spot and kind of similar to what you said, where if he does get that capital that we're all talking about, I will move him up, but I, like, I was like, I'm not going to move him up into my top three. Well, Jalen Waddle's is sitting in my top three right now.
1: Oh my uh, gosh. That's yeah. Whoo, that's hot. <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah. Not he's really. Sitting, I think everyone has him there, but <laughs> yeah. he's sitting in my top three right now. Um, you know, behind, behind Jamar chase behind Rashad Bateman. I have him sitting there at three. I think that's a a nice spot for him. Um, And, you know, it's a a spot where I will, he'll end up on some of my teams, but I will not, I think, I think for some reason, I'm still not higher on Jalen Waddle in the field. And so I I don't end up with a lot of Jalen Waddle for some reason.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, I have him. I think at wide receiver six or seven still. I mean, I will still take a lot, the mores over him, and I think that separates me from just about everybody. So I'm I'm just not going to get him anywhere, and I, that's fine. It, he's one of those guys where I'm okay. I'm missing on, and being under on, but it, it's one of those players that I love to have in fantasy drafts because I, res, you know, I respect a ton of film people. They are they are, they put in the work. Mm-hmm. They have a, especially when they have a process that I respect. I have a lot of respect for that for people who you know, really focusing on the film part. And I'm just happy that they can take a player that I don't feel like. And just, it, we can all be happy. There's not, it's no, no hate. It's like, you get your guy, I get my guy. We both leave happy.
0: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And like you said, like uh, from a dynasty perspective, you know, I prefer the Moors over Waddle. Um, but from a redraft perspective, Waddle is definitely somebody that, you know, because he'll go late enough in a redraft league that, you know I'll take the shot on Jalen Waddle. Like mm-hmm. why not? Well,
1: all right, here's a question for you. I throw it back at you. Would you so you'd rather take Waddle over uh Rondell Moore in
0: redraft? In redraft, I, I know I I know I posed it. I posed it as if in redraft I wouldn't take them, but I I'm I, at this point so in love with Rondell Moore. I think the way I have – I think I have you know let me check my rankings. There's no reason for oh, I'm throwing it back this. on you hard hard <laughs> and fast think, here. We we turned the no, script. I, I so I'm not the. This is probably going to be hot takey, but my listeners are aware of this already. I'm not the biggest fan of Tua, so I hey guys. It was will, nice talking
1: to you tonight. I'll talk to you next time. <laughs> <laughs> like I'm
0: not uh-huh. the biggest fan of Tua, so I would probably lean Rondell more right now. But if I look at my rankings, I have. Yeah, Jalen Waddle at 54 and Rondell Moore in the 40s. I know.
1: I think you're just going to be able to get Rondell Moore later in redrafts, especially, you know,
0: we're at, at 58. It. I have Rondell at 58. So Waddle at 54, Rondell at
1: 58. Wow. Okay. So I think anyone who has Ron, you know, Rondell over Waddle in redraft probably is um, in the minority because you think, you know, we're thick in this dynasty community. We have to remember that sometimes we're in a bubble at times. hmm. Mm hmm. When we, we zoom, when we take a couple layers off and we start doing redraft leagues, I don't think Rondell Moore is going to get drafted in some places.
0: Yeah, you're right. I mean, he doesn't have the, the name notoriety, the, the draft capital, uh, Jalen Waddell. Yeah, yeah, I think you're totally right on that. You're 100% correct. So, yeah, uh, I, I would, I, I'll look forward to that, right? So, speaking of Rondell Moore, uh, he's somebody that, unfortunately, I don't want to admit it, but he fell for me a, a decent amount. Wow. But I know I know you were high on him as well. Are you still as high on him? Or you know, did he did he take a tumble after the draft?
1: Um I was hoping he would get day one capital. He didn't. Yeah. Um mm-hmm. but that doesn't really mean a ton for because I mm-hmm. think there's only like three wide receivers went in round two. Not a ton. Uh, that's off the top of my head. There could have been a, maybe one there or two. There was
0: five, but there was like there's oh. like two that we don't really consider like two two at well. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh I hey i don't hate tutu two, two. i don't hate tutu
0: two, two. Oh, i'm two. sorry I, i'll keep that one to myself
1: yeah he, but, um no he i would honestly i kind of think up with saying that he's my biggest riser but i don't think you can have someone who you already have at the moon i don't know how you can get anyone any higher um <laughs> just be and that's just totally 100% bias. I am just now I'm like one of I'm just like all in on Rondell Moore. Um and and part of it's because of the hate. I don't I don't quite understand some of the the disconnect like I don't yes, he's small, but I think we can it's not unheard of that a 5-7 wide receiver can be successful in this league. A 5-3 wide receiver? Sure, I'll, I'll admit that a 5-3 wide receiver probably isn't going to be <laughs> And I'm not, I'm actually trying not to be flipping the same thing with quarterbacks. Like people were saying that Kyler Murray was too small. They were saying Russell Wilson was so, so, and I'll say to them, yes, I think there is a point at a point in the NFL where a size, you cannot be a certain height. Mm -hmm. And I said that Kyler Murray was not at that height. He was above that marker. Russell Wilson was, and I'm going to say the same thing for Rondell Moore. He, if you think about how much you at all or no.
0: Yeah. I played up until, uh, college. So,
1: yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's right. So, um, so you think about, you think about the whole football complex of, you know, starting in Peewee going to high school or even middle school, then high school and then college, and then get to the NFL. Imagine how has to jump through Mm -hmm. at that size to be continued. You know, usually you're five, seven, you get you're not, you're not taken seriously at that position. Um, and I think especially at the one you get like, especially once you get to college and especially mm-hmm. in the pros, and to do all of that to all those naysayers saying you're too small, you're too and this, this is a way of thinking, and to make that, I think the NFL mm-hmm. process has weeded out that. If you are surviving <laughs> that, I'm not worried about your size. but you're,
0: that's a great point. That's a wonderful point. I mean, Rondell Moore's been told he's short his whole life. Yep. He's been told he's too short. You're too short his whole life, but that has not stopped him from being the 49th player drafted in his draft class. It.
1: it, it I was waiting for you to keep going. I was, I was like, Oh, I'm going to start taking some notes. No. Yeah. So yeah. no,
0: no. I mean, I, I can keep going with it, but no, Rondell Moore. It's, it's funny. Cause you said that he is, you said he's small, right? But I'll argue. Yep. I say this all the time. Rondell Moore is not small. He's short.
1: Yes, true. That yes, right, true.
0: He's five seven, 181 pounds. I always make this argument. Everyone talks about Devontae Smith, Devontae Smith, Devontae. Rondell Moore is 15 pounds heavier than Devontae Smith at six inch at six less inches.
1: He's one pound heavier Look. than Jalen Waddle who we just were just talking about.
0: Yeah. So why do we make up this big deal about Rondell Moore being so short? Like like you said, he's made it through from Pee-wee being short. To high school being short to college, like he went to Purdue as a five seven wide receiver. Yes, we thought he was five nine because that's what he was listed at. But he's basically when he was tearing up Ohio State, he was five seven. So why does it matter that he went that he measured in at five seven?
1: Tyreek Hill's 58 eight. I mean, I'm not saying that he's t- going to be a Tyreek Hill level player because I think Tyreek Hill's go up and get at ball skills for his size that we've mm-hmm. seen since mm-hmm. Steve Smith probably. Um, But it's doable, and I just—that's the thing—is I'm not—he's write him off. He's not that short where you can just say no. He cannot succeed. I'm sorry. I'm—he's already proven us wrong based on getting going the second round. So, um, I mean, I I could turn this whole whole into a whole Rondale more. Yeah,
0: (laughs) I'm just (laughs) saying. I wish we had this conversation like an hour ago because. I was basically going through hoops between I'm second my guessing myself right now on Rondell Moore versus Elijah Moore be, mainly because of the landing spot for Elijah Moore, but I keep going back and forth about it. I have them literally back to back in my rankings in the same tier. So I wish we had I don't blame an you an hour ago because I would have taken. Rondell
1: I don't blame Moore you. Elijah, I, I love I really like Elijah. to have Elijah Moore over Jalen Waddle. I know that's hot takey, but I I don't I don't and I'm not I'm not doing it to be hot takey at all. I really think that. Elijah Moore football player who wins who creates separation and wins and and create after the catch and has some, you know, has some physical abilities for his size that, you know, that he's done it at the best conference in football or in college football, with not the best quarterback in the world. And, and he, he's done it at an early age. He's done it. Honestly, I don't understand. You could, I would not have been shocked that if Elijah Moore went before Jalen Waddle in the NFL draft, according to my board, he should have, that's just saying how, Jamore
0: is yeah I agree I mean I agree I mean if I was making these picks pre-draft I probably would have taken uh you know making these picks before the draft without knowing what we know now I would have taken Rondell Moore and Elijah Moore over over Jalen Waddle. but where are you at with I know we you know we're we're gonna get to fallers, but where does Rashad Bateman fall in all this for you
1: so he fell a little bit here he was my wide receiver three I wanted him up higher but you just can't get but- Rondell Moore in my pre my rookie so Rondell Moore was my wide receiver 2 going in and then Rashad Bateman was my wide receiver 3. Mm-hmm. And then I had DeVonta Smith at 4 going pre-draft. Mm-hmm. I f- I moved DeVonta Smith above Rashad Bateman. Um kind of begrudgingly, but I th- I I mean, I don't think Philly's that much better of a landing. Or yeah, it's a little better, but it's not like uh is it better? It's not Philly, I think just, um, just, there's gonna be more volume. I mean, I don't think Philly has them as a good of a defense. So, um, I think there's gonna be more volume and I think that he's, yeah, I mean, yeah, he's not, a, it's just a little better because you know, you're, yeah, it's just a little better, <laughs> not a lot better. It's a little better, but it, I think, I think it's good to, I think it's good that you question that because, um, I think it's good that you question because there's no. Feel, I mean, yeah, I, we all like Dallas Goddard and we like Zach Ertz, but um, I don't think it's they're at Mark Andrews level, and I don't think uh, I, yeah, it's really close. It's it's slightly like I'm trying to make the argument right now, and I think it's just I could keep I could have the whole time, but getting back, I just think based on his production profile, Devonta Smith, you could make the argument was better than his peak production was better than Rashad Bateman's, and. Mm-hmm. Like had him there, so I'm just like, you know what? I'm not going to fight mm-hmm. this. I like Devonta Smith as a profile, and I don't have to keep Rashad Bateman there because the everyone is falling on Rashad Bateman. And I was actually pretty heated discussion on the D. Not a heated. That was a very spirited debate with uh, Justin Carp on, um, or Tyler Tyler Justin Carp. Sorry, he has two first names, which always throws me for a loop. But D F or D L F Carp, <laughs> D L F on the dlf live stream during the draft and i said you know low volume offenses don't really they don't really hurt the the number one wide receiver as much it's usually the wide receiver two the wide receiver three that that hurts Mm -hmm. more the in low volume offense that wide receiver one still eats and i still Mm -hmm. will say that baltimore is a smart enough offense a smart they have a team wide. they're one of the best analytical teams out there they're a big part of the big data bowl which is something that i've started i really um basically just trying to push analytics in football and it's a lot of fun Mm -hmm. they're they they're pushing it forward and and they're just as they they have a really interesting meld of film and traditional football thinking but also on the analytics side and and you you can see it based on their previous years like how they've been drafting and they just told us they went out and they of um willie sneed they and they went and they got um and rashad bateman and they said, admitting we didn't have good enough wide receiver position, and they and they're one of those teams that they're not going to just shove square round hole. They they were They didn't run a traditional offense with Lamar Jackson. when He brought him in. They didn't. They ca- catered that offense to Lamar Jackson, just like they're going to use the strengths of Rashad Bateman. And I think Rashad Bateman has enough skill, enough talent where he can do, he can drive volume on his own. I think that he's that good of a player. So. While he does move down in my ranks, I'm not. I and I think just naturally and I, I, emotionally, I think it's natural to have. Oh, he landed with with Baltimore in that low volume offense. But you have to sit here and say from a re, from a rational from a numbers and a projection standpoint, Rashad Bateman can still eat very easily.
0: Yeah, he definitely can still eat Rashad Bateman. Can uh, you know? Again, he's going to get a large chunk of the pie. His pie is just going to the pie he's eating from is smaller than than most, wide, most number one wide receivers. And so with Bateman, I mean, to your point, I, I was looking at my projections. I do have Hurts with almost 100 more pass attempts than than uh, Lamar Jackson. I guess my thought is like, if you really want Hurts to be successful in Philadelphia, they're one of those analytical thinking teams. Uh, obviously, if you want Hurts to be successful, but don't you move towards an offense similar to the one that, the ravens put in place for lamar jackson in 2019 Hopefully. and so that's my so. thought process there right
1: i think they've right? got to get a lead first off they've got to get a lead because you think mm-hmm. La- the, the baltimore had the defense and the offensive they were they were like a unique offense at the time and no one could stop and they were, think about how good that team like Lam- people forget lamar jackson led the league in touchdowns he just wasn't an amazing just on the ground mm-hmm. he led the league in passing touchdowns that's why he was the NFL yeah. the over a lot and I think yeah. that pe- people need to you know it's tough to get a when you're not a good team like Philadelphia was last year. Now I think there's a lot that went wrong that's yeah. yeah. fine but that defense is weak at, at at in the in the secondary yeah I just don't I think it's gonna be tough to play older, exactly bro. like Baltimore did in 2019 now I think it's yeah. gonna be a hundred seems a little unrealistic. Like I don't see a hundred difference. I think sort of fifty pass attempts difference. I'll, I'll, we'll split the difference.
0: Yeah, I mean, I was I was rounding. It's really I have like seventy or eighty. So I'm oh, there we there. go. But but yeah. Right, that's spot on. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so so yeah, to that point, I could see what you're saying. All right. like Jalen, they can want to run that offense with Jalen Hurts, but is your team good enough to be able to run that consistently? and not be forced into a situation where you're going to have to throw the football. Um, so yeah. Anything's possible in that. the
1: NFL East or the NFC East, right? That, that division is yeah. going to, so.
0: <laughs> yeah. So it's interesting. You have Bateman as a follower, but like you said, there's not really so much you can go. Pl- so not, not really so far you can go with Bateman. Plus the market is going to basically, you know, essentially put him at a value to you anyway, since nobody wants him. Yeah. I mean, I, I got I think it's the unf- wide receiver.
1: I was going so to say, it's unfair to say receiver. that he's, yeah. <laughs> no, go, for, go for
0: it. Go for it. Go for it.
1: I, 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 I'm just saying, it's unfair to call him, I, I, I would not call him a, a faller at all. He went down one spot in ranking, but um, I think it's more of a, hey, props to Devonta Smith, not a, I'm going to knock Rashad Bateman down because I still love Rashad Bateman.
0: Yeah, I think for me, I just I just knocked Rondell Moore for the draft capital. As I really thought Rondell Moore, there was a chance he could sneak in the first. I was hoping, maybe that was more of a hope. I was hoping that maybe he, like, I think I even, uh, t- you had put a tweet out, where does Rondell go? And I was like, 34 to the Jets, because that's what I really wanted. Yep. Uh, we did get him more, though, just not Rondell. Um, speaking of the Jets, they were one of five franchises which drafted a rookie quarterback in 2021. Uh, what are your thoughts on this twenty twenty one rookie quarterback class and and their potential impact this year?
1: I mean, it's one of the best. I'm, I have a short memory, unfortunately, that's why I put everything in a database so I don't have to remember it. But um, right. it, they, it's one of the best quarterback classes that I can remember. Um, especially from a fantasy point perspective, maybe not from a purely NFL perspective, but from a fantasy perspective, I can't think. It's tough for me to to think of a better one. I, there's um. For me there's three quarterbacks at the top and they're all my first tier quarterbacks there but they those three quarterbacks have top 5 dynasty overall potential. That's how good mm-hmm. I think they could be not just quarterback talking they're going to they have that first round startup potential. That's how good that, that's how much one that rushing is important and how efficient they were throwing the ball in college and that would be mm-hmm. Trey Lance, uh, Trevor Lawrence and Justin Fields. Really I think Talk about infusion of youth at the quarterback position, really exciting to see them go there. Um, And then I think another QB and Zach as high on who actually I, as I got close to the draft, I started, I used to think one of the things was for me was he, I thought he was inexperienced. I didn't think that he had uh, his experience level met the threshold. He was under the 35 game threshold start game, started threshold that I like to see from my quarterbacks. But I dug into a little bit more, and usually that's because I got an early, at an early age, they started, they got the starting position. But the reason why he didn't meet that threshold is because of an injury. So if he hadn't gotten injured, what that metric is trying to do for games started, and when you're trying to project quarterback, of how early that coaching staff thought they should lead a team and an injury misconstrued it doesn't isn't trying to capture what that metric is doing on mm-hmm. that and so while i'm not i still think zach wilson is a little bit risky i think that he does ha- his upside is being a low-end qb1 during at some point during his career and then mac jones he's a i think he could flirt occasionally with qb1 status but i think realistically he's a mid qb2 he mm-hmm. if he's if he hits he's a mid qb2 with some upside and that's it's the strength of this class. The quarterbacks are the strength of this class. It's I, this is the most excited I've been about quarterbacks in a long time at drafting quarterbacks.
0: I totally agree. I mean, I think I tweeted it out the day, I think the day of the draft, um, because I have, I have a vision of, you know, pulling out the receipt five years later. But um, (laughs) (laughs) I basically said, I think all five of these quarterbacks will make it to their second contracts with their respective franchises. Because yeah, I, and, and I think that's how good this quarterback class could be to to the point that you were making. I mean, again, don't know. I mean, people want to compare this to 2018. I think this class is better than the 2018 class, right? Like, uh, Who, who's 2018 on
1: top my off your head?
0: It's it's uh, that's Lamar, Baker. Lamar Jackson Baker Mayfield Sam Darnold Josh Rose. Oh, Rosen, sm- and Josh sm- Josh.
1: Sm- smashes that, that class. Smashes. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Josh Allen hit, guys. Everyone, I was a huge Josh Allen hater. I'm now really appreciate oh. Josh Allen. <laughs> Real, like, I was, I can't, ha- no one I don't think could have hated him more than I have.
0: Did. Nope. I've got, I did. I've gone, I did.
1: <laughs> you did? Yeah. So I'm glad we're in front of the same club here. But he was one of the, in my database, he is the worst QB prospect ever drafted in the first round, ever. And he hit. That just shows, yeah. He, he and he's a great player, and I'm really happy for him. Mm-hmm. Genuinely, I am. I think that's awesome. But to say that he was a good prospect, I I think uh, I I'll disagree, at least from an analytical standpoint. And I, and people could argue with that, could all argue with me all they want, but he literally redid his throwing motion last season or the last off season. So
0: yeah, I, sorry go ahead.
1: No, that's it. No. I, I got I got to give you some of the air here on the microphone.
0: <laughs> no, no, you're good, man. This no, this is this is great. I'm sure all my guests are tired of hearing my voice anyway. They want to hear somebody more interesting and uh ju- and smarter than me. So, <laughs> oh, stop that. No, Cut that I- crap out.
1: <laughs> I roll my no, eyes. We're not we're not streaming this, but I'm rolling my eyes right now.
0: I think that's what's killing us, right? Cuz I can't I don't see your mouth, so I was like, is he done? So whatever. But anyway, when you look at this class, I (laughs) totally, I totally, I totally agree with you. Uh, No, Josh Allen, though, I absolutely hated not hated him because so I was a Jets fan. I'm a, I'm a Jets fan. Obviously when the Jets were looking for a quarterback at that time, one of the quarterbacks that kept coming up in early September, October was Josh Allen. And so I went immediately and watched tape of Josh Allen and I was like, I want nothing to do with him. Like if the Jets draft him, I will, I will not know what to do with myself. And so I actually, my buddies and I, we, we go to the draft. We, we made it a thing to go every year we've been going since they the first went out in Philly. Oh, that's so that's awesome. we were, yeah. So we were in the draft in Dallas when Josh Allen was drafted and obviously when Sam Darnold and all those guys were drafted and I remember we go to Mike and Mike the next day, me and my co-host, um, and I literally just looked at him and I said, "Josh Allen got the Bills drafted." Josh Allen and I, I would in the back of Mike and Mike, and look who's laughing now—Josh Allen and all the Buffalo Bills <laughs> fans. But, <laughs> but anyway, like you said, I'm totally happy for him. Like I was basically apologizing to Josh Allen all year this year because um, he's he's been he's been phenomenal. He's been great, but. Back on the 2020 class, uh, the 2021 class, um, you know, that class, I mean, I think, yeah, like we said, this class blows it far and away. I agree with everything you said. Those top three, completely generational type prospects from a fantasy perspective. And then Zach Wilson, like you said, I I had the same ideas, right? Because since, you know, Robert Sala and Michael LaFleur were hired, Zach Wilson was the favorite to be the pick. So I went back. I was expecting to to not like Zach Wilson at all because I looked at the stats. I said, hey, how come he didn't start as a, you know, how come he didn't play, you know, doesn't play all these games? I thought that he was, you know, then you heard about quarterback competitions. But then you go back and you dig into it and you realize, okay, he was dealing with some injuries. And then the reason why he wasn't named the starter going into last year was because he didn't have a great year. But he also had he also had surgery on his on a torn labrum right before the year started and could apparently couldn't throw the ball 10 to 15 yards down the field the week before the season so you know there's a lot of context when it comes to a guy like Zach Wilson and I look at him as somebody who's potentially a value because before he even got drafted because of the jersey that he's going to end up wearing in September everyone wants to call him a bust I think he's a potential value
1: yeah, um, I, I, you pegged it. You peg. <laughs> no, sorry. There's no mute buttons. So I'm trying. To, I like move my mic as far away to clear my throat. Um, no, I. You nailed. You pegged right there. Uh, and yeah, I mean, it, the only thing I, I would I'm concerned with how dinged up he did get. Mm-hmm. I'm a little concerned, you know, with the injuries. I'm a little concerned with his level of competition. Like, if you look at it, he only twenty. Eight percent, like, oh, this is off the top of my head. But I think only twenty-eight percent of his pass attempts were against top sixty or seventy uh competition. Where I think like eighty percent of his throws were against top sixty or, so, so, which is just insane. And like Trevor Lawrence was like fifty. It's just a, a absurd the difference. And and those teams that he did face were were atrocious. But I think mm-hmm. this is where I look. He's got, he's uber efficient. He's young. He's got enough experience and he has the draft capital and he's got an immediate point to start. Uh, I, and he's got the tools, you know, the, the, the tools stuff that people care about from a, mm-hmm. the, you know, the film people, they say he's got, you know, a, he's got a, a faster, he's got a zip in his, in his pass and you know all that lingo that I just made up. Cause I actually don't know the lingo, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, he's got, he's toolsy. So you just go with it yeah. because that's what you kind of have to yeah. do with a quarterback position.
0: Yeah. And when I, when I, when I watch Zach Wilson, I mean, everyone talks about the level of competition, which I will agree with you. Right. I'll talk about level of competition all day, but let's talk about teammates. Right. Because there were like three BYU players drafted on Sunday or, you know, last week when there were like five Alabama players drafted on offense in the first round alone. So, you know, um, you know, if you're comparing Zach Wilson to Mac Jones, right. But, um, Also, the the, the point there is, if you look at Zach Wilson, and and I did break down some of his tape, and I don't consider myself necessarily, like, a film junkie, right? I didn't sit down and break all of every career pass attempt that Zach Wilson had, and I'm not looking at, you know, different camera angles, and I never played quarterback, so everything I say, take it with a grain of salt, I'm just telling you what I see, right? But when I watch Zach Wilson's film, all of these throws are NFL-type throws by – the, when you look at the windows that he's throwing into. Because these receivers that he's running, that he's that he's playing with, they're not getting open, right? They're not good enough. The, regardless of the competition across from them, they're still not able to get open. And so these throws that he's making are NFL-type throws. When you look at the windows that he's throwing to, those are going to be the same windows that he's throwing to when he gets into the NFL. But he's, yes, is the competition going to be better? Yes. But hopefully, and the Jets did add a receiver in Elijah Moore, and they have Denzel Mims and Corey Davis hopefully the wide receivers you're throwing to are better as well. So I, I do like the fit. I like the system as well. Like you said, he's got the quick twitch. He's got a, a very lightning quick release, which is going to fit very well into this West Coast offense, the Shanahan offense. So I, I like the fit. And as a, I'm not just saying that as a Jets fan. I, I do like Zach Wilson, the prospect.
1: Uh, hey, we're, we're in I, – I wouldn't um, – I am. I like it. I like everything you just said. I like it. except that i do watch a ton of film i was a five-star recruit at football no quarterback no (laughs) (laughs) no all right
0: let's 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 go on to a a bigger a bigger uh wider scope let's take a wide lens look out from these rookies and we can look at the rookies veterans teams as a whole but who are the biggest losers to you as a result of the draft
1: I I hadn't really done a ton of look at, prior to us discussing what we were that we were going to talk about this on the show, but I think it was it's got to be Melvin Gordon and James Robinson. I think those are yeah. two that jump off the page. And before I get into like why Melvin Gordon is such a a, a faller or a loser, um, I think I'll, I'll say faller because I don't think Melvin Gordon's a loser, but uh, that I'll say that what I what I really stress to people. As far as a strategy point of view, the, I get out of my running backs before they usually hit that second contract, mm-hmm. and it's it becomes it, the risk rises into that second contract. And the reason I do that is, and it's not that I don't like the players, but people. So that's my strategy. So I don't have any Melvin Gordon anywhere. But mm-hmm. then this, if you, in a lot of mock draft, I do a, a mock draft like two or three mock drafts every Friday with a, with a group of a rotating group of people. It's a lot of fun. Uh, with the Contender Connection crew on Happy Hour. It's a lot of fun every Friday night. We've been doing it for like a year now, like a year and a half, and it has been it just it gives you a good feel of what people are saying about different players. And there's a contingent of people who were pounding the table saying Melvin Gordon is a value in Dynasty Leagues. And I'm like, yeah, I see what you're trying to say. However, if I'm playing Dynasty, the way I want to attack Melvin Gordon is, it one, I want to make sure that my team performs the way it does. So as a first or second, I want to play some games. I want to see that You know, because, you know, sometimes we all have rose colored glasses on our teams aren't as good as we think they are. So I want to make sure I don't, I, you know, I withstand the preseason and my my team's healthy. And then once I get in season, then I see, so that's the first part. And then the second part, I, I want to see if Melvin Gordon and these older running backs. So Melvin Gordon, David Johnson, those type, you know, those type of veteran running backs who can commit even Todd Gurley, let's say, who's even cheaper and lower on that list, but. Before I invest in them, I don't want to do it preseason. I want to do it once I know that also I'm seeing that they're getting production. So, yeah, Melvin Gordon had a path to production early on, but we're going to see as soon as the draft's over with or maybe a veteran comes in during camp or after the draft, their value tanks, and that's what happened with Melvin Gordon. So you will never see me investing in these older running backs prior to – that's a trade deadline or a end of September type of acquisition for me because it's just it's a losing move in Dynasty. You can wait on that kind of running back production.
0: Yeah, it's funny because I, I actually I, – I probably went against your your advice here, but I sold Melvin Gordon in my rookie draft – during my rookie draft last year.
1: Oh, oh that's – no, that's good. No, that's it. Yeah, that's the goal. I mean, I would have sold it probably a little sooner, but no, you def, you'd probably got decent value for him.
0: Yeah, I just flipped him for the 112, which turned into Brandon Ayuk. Oh God. Oh God. I'm really <laughs> hot bothered. You can't
1: see it. I'm the water here. That's that's a that's a sexy trade right there.
0: Yeah, yeah. So I agree. I totally agree with you. I always I always try I always say like a player will always be there'll they'll enter their prime, right? And then they'll they'll be in their prime for a period of time, right? Whether that's three let's just call it three years, right? And after their prime, there's a decline in production. There's usually like a slight decline, they don't just go off the cliff. So, I try to sell, especially a top dynasty asset. I did this with Antonio Brown. I try to sell right after that first sign of decline. And so, at least the price is still high enough, but the player was still good enough that I got a ton of value. I taught I got a ton of production out of them, and now I'm still able to squeeze enough value, and now they become someone else's problem. But
1: you know what's the worst funny, thing you want
0: to do is cut a player. But yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. No, it's 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 funny, is I'm actually a little bit earlier than you. I sometimes I'll sell too early, but what I do is I buy in for the decline. So let's say who's a player like Julio Jones. I'll sell yeah. a year or two, like a year or a year and a half early, get max value. And then as soon as because in wide receivers in Dynasty, they people start whispering at twenty seven. Oh, he's gonna be twenty-eight <laughs> soon. He's gonna yeah, start declining yeah. soon. And so I just don't want that value, like that value start to fall my roster. But that's so why I trade him away. And then a season and a half later, when they start to decline, when Julio's going now, he is, I'm not even sure if he's a top 24 wide receiver in ADP. He, he probably is. But he was wide receiver four when I sold him. Now I'm going to buy or now I'm going to trade back for him when he's probably. I probably can get I probably can trade Julio for like a one 111 112. least, Right yeah and then and yeah. then but then if i you know if i but then i can you can different ways you can get him i wouldn't trade him for the 111 but you know what i'm trying to say and you get that then i then once i i max i'll ride him out like larry fitzgerald i'll yeah. ride him out and i'll yeah. and, and then it's just fun to kind of watch him disappear in the sunset it's like yeah yeah that was great
0: larry. <laughs> yeah so, no that's a great that's a great idea too i mean selling and then buying buying them again for for the cheap i like that um all right, so who are who are some of the biggest winners as a result of the draft, in your opinion?
1: Oh, gosh, I, I I didn't do a good enough uh, thing as far as I would say James Robinson. I don't think he's dead yet. Before we move on, James Robinson not dead yet, but he definitely took a hit. No. De- definitely, he took a couple slugs, the abdomen. But you know, he, you know, those gunslingers still have a couple a couple. Of, you know, he's fought through some stuff, and I and I and I don't really have James Robinson in a lot of places. But I think ideally, you want to see a sixty. 40 split or 55, 45 split if you're mm-hmm. in Jacksonville there. So I don't, I think it was there. So he did lose from going from a, having an 70% opportunity share to maybe like, you know, 40% or something like that. So he's a loser, but biggest risers for me real quick was still high on him beforehand because the thing with miles get. Ga- so the thing with James Robinson was, is that in places, his, his, uh the risk for James Robinson in some places, Facting that into his price, yeah. He was deflated in ADP a little bit, but in trades, the people some people weren't trading him. They're like, nah, dude, the Jacksonville, they're they have so many needs, they're gonna they're invest, they're not gonna invest high in running back. So a lot of people didn't have that built into James Robinson's cost, so he was higher. But Miles Gaskin was going six-seven rounds later in ADP, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and that risk of Miami taking running back was built into his price, so I can get a (laughs) high-end RB2 but i'm getting it for the price of a why like running back 35 and that's what's yeah. so exciting now everyone's catching i have i have miles gaskin in, in over 50% of my leagues right now because wow um what i love and the thing about miles gaskin i like about him is not only does he get carries but he also has that be like a mm-hmm. and rotaviz has a metric called expected points and when and the real the, the holy grail is when you have 10 expected points passing or receiving and 10 expected point rushing now he doesn't quite Expected points from the passing game, fantasy points I'm talking about, but he just misses it. So that's like Christian McCaffrey territory. And I don't think he's Christian McCaffrey by any means, but he, when you have that kind of receiving floor in this kind of offense, that's exciting. So Miles Gaskin, definitely Riser, Mike Davis, I, mm. is he going to be the RB1 in, come week one? Who knows? They could sign a veteran, and then it's like some kind of timeshare, but he definitely took a bump in value, and then Sam Darnold. i shocked that the Panthers passed on Justin Fields but Sam Darnold with those <laughs> weapons I mean he's getting the, he's getting a shot he never he didn't get the, the I don't think he got with the talent around him and with the the coaching staff in New York but he's definitely getting a shot in Carolina so definitely a big riser.
0: Yeah, I mean Miles Gaskin for sure. I mean he He's he's got that reception work and and you're right, because I, I was on that train where I was like, I don't know, man, Miami could draft a running back, but if Miami drafts a running back, there's also still that that chance where Miles Gaskin could hold on to that receiving work. And so what does that become worth? And so that's a great point there. Um it's just be it would be really funny, not funny for you because you have Miles Gaskin in fifty percent of your leagues, but I just thought it would be really funny if like James Robinson got traded to Miami. <laughs>
1: Oh, trade him. Why did they trade him? Come on. No, you you can't have – oh, guys, that's just rude. (laughs) Oh, my gosh, the Rondell Moore hate, now
0: this? (laughs) Just to be clear, I did not hate on Rondell Moore. It was two of them I hated. Not really. Oh, let's say two – That's well, you know, it's
1: all blending in. You've hated on everyone I've ever loved at this point.
0: (laughs) 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 Oh, Oh, man. Okay, um, <laughs> back to our scheduled programming. Um, <laughs> no, so in terms of the, of the biggest winners, Mike Davis, man, that talk about, I mean, talk about survivors. That guy is a survivor if we've seen one, uh, because it was like I could have you could have asked me which team definitely drafts a running back with a top. A top 40 pick and i would have told you everything it was going to be atlanta and they didn't even touch it so mike davis is out here as a a true winner in, in my mind and like you said sam donald i mean i've obviously been a sam donald supporter i mean you've seen my antics on twitter um he did not get a fair shake i I was saying it today in a, in a draft because there was some Sam Darnold hate and I had to jump in the chat and say, hey, what what goes on here? I'm not, I will not stand for this. Good thing I'm sitting down right now. but
1: <laughs> you got to flex on him.
0: <laughs> but, you know, Darnold, I mean, what quarterback outside of maybe Russell Wilson or Deshaun Watson, and I'm not going to say Patrick Mahomes because there's no telling what kind of seasoning he got in that one year, um, you know, playing, you know, sitting behind Alex Smith. And getting that toolage from Andy Reid, but what quarterback outside of those two quarterbacks, Russell Wilson, Deshaun Watson would have succeeded in the situation that Sam Arnold was put in these last three years.
1: I don't think it, that's a good, that's actually a great question. Me, you know, me and that's in the NFL right now. I'm, I don't. Yes. It, I, I don't, I can't really think of one. I mean, that's a great point. I, I don't, I don't think there is one. That's a, I, mean, I haven't thought of it like that. That's a really unique way of thinking about it. I don't think, <laughs> Wow. Like, uh, you know, it's like that Kaiser Sose, the mug dropping moment in usual suspects. Like, wow. <laughs> that's a good way of putting it.
0: Because you could say, like, oh, well, Lamar Jackson or Josh Allen, but there's no telling what situation they would have been put in. Like, Lamar Jackson and Josh Allen get the benefit of playing with leads. Sam Darnold rarely ever gets to play with the lead. Bilal Powell is probably the best running back that Sam Darnold has ever played with. I mean, most productive. Le'Veon Bell was there. He was good. I think he was talented. There were just obviously some issues. But if you look at the most productive running back, it's probably Blau Powell or like Elijah McGuire. Like, yeah, I'm sorry. I just – it's just not – so you go. You look at the situation he's in now. He's going and He's got Christian McCaffrey. He's got DJ Moore, Robbie Anderson back. They add Terrace Marshall. It's probably the best, the most talented skill group that he's ever had, and that's going back to even USC if you want to
1: look back percent. Oh, 100%. He had like, 100%.
0: Yeah, so – so, so I think Sam Darnold it's totally on him now, right? If he doesn't succeed, it's totally on him. There's no more excuses. And I, I do have faith that he will succeed. I think the staff that's in place, Joe Brady, um obviously, you know, had success with Joe Burrow at LSU. Uh he's running the Saints offense, which actually uh Josh McCown had recently said a few weeks ago that Sam Darnold will will have no issues transitioning to this joe brady offense because joe brady came from new orleans where uh john morton who was the jets oc in 20 uh 2017 he came from new orleans uh you know where joe brady and obviously sean payton were and then when he was let go uh prior to sam darlin's rookie year quarterbacks coach john bates was was uh promoted to or Jeremy Bates rather was promoted to OC and he kept a lot of the verbiage the same from John Morton from New Orleans. So it's gonna be a should be a smooth transition for Sam Darnold. He's got a familiar face in Robbie Anderson. Um, I think this is you know the arrow is pointing up for Sam Darnold.
1: And I you know that was testify like I think these guys are professionals. I don't and I know like Sam Darnold I, I think that Sam Darnold is a intelligent uh per you know player who can who can pick up I'm not I don't really get worried about that kind of stuff when it comes to the quarterback Mm -hmm. transition is the shell shock is he never is he going to be able to sit there in the pocket and not feel the pocket collapsing around him is he going to have the confidence in his wide receivers is he you know screwed up that's my biggest thing did he get screwed up by Adam Gase and what the Jets have been doing and if that and if he's not, I think that's, that's, you know, great news and, and let's move forward. That's my biggest concern. These, these players get literally ruined. Like the David, you know, David Carr in Houston. And mm-hmm. I can probably list five or six more players who had a lot of potential, but they, once you feel that pass rush or once that pass rush is in your brain and he was in New York for a while, was it three years when he was there mm-hmm. or four? Three years three years. So once you, you know, once you feel like your team, you, you know, you have to put the whole team on your shoulders and you're getting no help. And especially in the front office to, or the, in from the coaching staff as well and the schemes to hopefully, you know, if he can rebound from that, that part of the mental game, then that's, it's, you know, sky's yeah. the limit.
0: Cause he does have the physical tools. Yeah. Yeah. And that's a good point. Right. Like, you know, has he been ruined? And I think that's something that we as Jets fans, we were questioning, you know, up until, we traded him to Carolina because the thought was, you know, do you keep him and draft like a Penny Sewell or Kyle Pitts or Jamar Chase at two uh, and try to build around Sam, um, you know, but like, you know, like you're saying, this is, that's a, that's a good point, a valid one. Uh, I think the hope is that the offense that he's put in is one where it, it's more suited to his skill set because Adam Gase was sitting there, you know, running uh, a traditional, <sighs> drop, uh, you know, five to seven step offense, you know, you, you the ball's out now. And that's not really who Sam Darnold is. He never really moved the pocket. Some of Sam Darnold's best games, some of his best moments under Adam Gase was in game plans in which Adam Gase decided he was going to move the pocket and he was going to get Sam Darnold on the move and accentuate some of the things that he does well. And so those things are still within him. I just, I do your point though, there have been moments where I'm like, Sam as a rookie would feel that rusher and would get out of the pocket and move. And it was almost as if Gase and Dow Loggins were coaching him to, to not move, coaching him to stay in the pocket and make the throw. And so I'm hoping, you know, Matt Rule, Joe Brady, they can they – because can, he's still young, you know, not – he's 23 years old. He's only been playing football for like seven years. You know, he's a, he's a very young football player. So I, I'm hoping – I'm hoping that, you know, these are things that can get uh, coached coached out of him and that he you know he could maybe form some good habits the dj Moore
1: lover in me is rooting for him so i'm rooting you for you and big... me both brother
0: <laughs> you the dj more lover in me is rooting. see i don't hate everybody you love
1: there we go see we're <laughs> back on track now wheels up let's go
0: <laughs> let's go so who's a early breakout candidate for you headed into the 2021 season
1: so this has been gaining a lot of steam this off season, but I still think there is some value to be had. But it's Brandon Ayuk for me. Uh, Brandon Ayuk finished as wide receiver seventeen in points per game last year, and only twelve. And he only played twelve games, but he still was the wide receiver thirty one overall last season. You know when he he had he averaged eight point one targets per game. That's pretty freaking good for a rookie. Twenty three percent target share, and I understand that some of those games were without Debo, some of those games were without Kittle, but he, as a rookie to. To do what he did, and the efficiency that he had, and you know he he did it in multiple different ways, scored touchdowns, he had some great yak, a decent you know, and then just the efficiency like whopper air yards or, or market share of air yards, target share. There's a lot of things to like about from an analytically tempt was through the roof 1.06. That's over one. That's that's phenomenal for a receiver, especially a rookie receiver, especially a rookie receiver who. I think it was a JUCO transfer, right? He, so he had, so he had the one initial. He played two years at was Arizona State or whatever that, yeah, somewhere State. Yeah. So he had that one down, like one eh, year, and then he once Harry left, he kind of, and that's what we saw. We saw the the dominate the offense type of Ayuk for that stretch there, and I I think Brandon Ayuk is wheels up. He is someone that I am willing to over. I would trade. Right now, I would trade anywhere after the 106 or 107. I would trade probably for Kyle, for Brandon Ayuk right now. But I think that's kind of unrealistic. I'd rather do a package to get Ayuk. But
0: mm-hmm.
1: I just think he's that good. He's already, he's probably at my wide receiver 13 to 15 range for me right now in Dynasty. I,
0: Ayuk. Oof, man. You, if you wanted to get me hot and bothered, you bring up Brandon Ayuk on this podcast because <laughs> Brandon Ayuk is some—he somebody that I could not shut up about last year. I thought I was get so you can't get Brandon Ayuk in leagues that I'm in because he's on all he's on all my teams. I literally have like ninety percent Brandon Ayuk across my rosters. I can fact check you. that actually. I'm so this jealous! Podcast.
1: I got zero, <laughs> zero
0: Brandon Ayuk right now. Yeah, he's a guy that I had as my wide receiver five last year, and so there were times where I was sitting there and I was just, you know, I had a pick to get CD Lamb, and I'd trade down, pick up and pick up extra picks, and then take Ayuk. Like that's how confident I was in Brandon Ayuk headed into last year, and it paid off. And I totally agree with you. He's somebody that I could see as a breakout candidate this year. I don't have a wide my wide receiver dynasty rankings but in terms of the season-long rankings i'm looking at him and this is i have to actually go back and look at these numbers but right now i've got him inside my top 12
1: wow yeah that's that's hot i think my realistically i think he'd be fit like anywhere from that like 13 to 18 range for me probably
0: yeah uh yeah,
1: yeah. definitely got the upside like he i think he's it's gonna be gonna be what people want a debo to be like that's how i th- and not that I'm, a, I'm not a Debo hater by any means, but I just think man, Brandon Ayuk, he can win yeah. in a lot of different ways. And it's exciting to see what they're doing.
0: Yeah, definitely. Um, Brandon Ayuk somebody I'm excited about because, like you said, different than Debo. Debo is obviously great with what he does, but Brandon Ayuk is just different. Um, I mean, I think... I think Chris Sims, who apparently has a really good relationship with Kyle Shanahan, going back for, to their days working in Denver together. But um, Ayuk reminded reminded Kyle Shanahan, apparently, of Odell Beckham. And Kyle Shanahan is absolutely obsessed with Odell Beckham. And <laughs> last year, he was willing to take Brandon Ayuk at 13 when they took um, the defensive lineman that escapes me right now.
1: I know um, who you're talking about, though. yep.
0: Yeah. They they took him at 13 and they wait they took ended up taking Ayuk at 30. So they traded uh, up for him, right? It, yeah, they did trade up for him. So Ayuk is somebody that, yeah, you you know, we want to get in my good graces, bring up Ayuk in a positive manner on this podcast and say hey, we're vibing know. again. We're vibing. <laughs> there we go. There we go. So all right. Let me ask you, I don't want to say a bust candidate Uh, because that's a little harsh, especially for this early. It's May 10th. But who is somebody that you're a bit down on right now compared to maybe the field?
1: So sometimes what happens is is that I don't like a player, and it's for different reasons, but I just – like where he's being drafted, like how people are viewing him as a player. And I said in February, I believe – I said I don't think I I would not trade a second round, first round pick. I would not. I would rethink the two hundred one for Josh Jacobs back in February, and I stand. I don't think I would. I think I would take Trace. I think I would take the two hundred four. So let's say that's usually Trey Sermon. I'll take I'll take Josh Jacobs over Trey Sermon. There, that's my breaking point. I'll take uh, Josh Jacobs there, and it's just because he's not. You're gonna to have to prove it. people say, yeah, he has this receiving upside. Yep, I I, I agree with you. He's a good mm-hmm. guy. flashes it. But John Gruden is and what they're doing over there, they're making that whole organization is making the wrong decisions. They got rid of that offensive line that was was phenomenal. And they brought in Kenyon Drake, who I'm not high on at all, but they invested a significant amount of money into him. And it's I just don't get what they're doing with Josh Jacobs. And I don't they I do not want any part of drastic now could he, I think he's going to probably give you mid RB two and you know, with some, some splash weeks, but I, I don't, I don't want that on my team. I want someone who I think can be a top five running back. That's what I like. I don't want running back twos on my team. I want to either have RB ones or guys who are RB threes that I think if they get opportunity can give me RB two production. So that's kind of, or low end RB one, like, Miles Gaskin, for example last year that's the type of player that i want Some, you know I, i'll invest in those that one or two and then the rest it, i'll piece it together because you can find running back production or from like from receiving backs like a James White back like when in his heyday to you know Mc, uh, the the Washington who's escaping me oh, McKissick. McKissick yeah McKissick he, look what he did you can find those type of players now yes there's a rush to get them but if you build your, you're going to have more shots at him. And I'm just, I'm, I don't, I'm a, I'm a Josh Jacobs hater. I don't hate the player. I hate the ADP. And, you know, he's getting in DUI. He he's, he's going through Twitter rants. There's a lot of things not to like about Josh Jacobs right now.
0: Yeah. I mean, uh, Ian Harditz was on here last week and he said the same thing. Uh, we don't hate players. We hate ADPs. And so, I, I agree with that sentiment. I mean, Josh Jacobs, he's he was my bust for 2020 or going into the 2020 season. Yep. Um, from a redraft perspective, and it was also it was not because of I said hey because I think he did finish as like the RB 13, but I was like hey, there's like a chance that he'll finish as like a top uh, like a top 12 running back. But he's like what I call the Amari Cooper of the running back position where you're not going to like how he finished as as a top 12 running back where there'll be weeks where he'll get 30 like week one against Carolina. But then there'll be weeks where he gets like three and you're not going to win a week like that from your RB your RB one. Right. So um, I'm not I, I'm with you again. You actually said it correctly because everybody says, oh, yeah, you know, um you know, they had a bunch, Oakland, you know, the Raiders had a bunch of players leave and, you know, leave this off season or during free agency. I'm like, no, they didn't leave. They got rid of them. <laughs> Vegas decided we are a better football team without these players on our offensive line. That was the decision that they made. That was the path they went down. And that was the major selling point for Josh Jacobs. Well, well, look at that offensive line, you know, you know, if he doesn't get the receiving work, he's still going to get the touchdowns. He's still going to get the, you know, those opportunities. And yes, he does get those touchdown opportunities, but I don't want my touchdowns in bunches. I don't want, you know, my my running back. If, if oh, they're playing the Chiefs, uh, they're going to be down, you know, they're down by 24. Like Josh Jacobs isn't in the game. Like I don't want that. So I agree with you. If I can move on from Josh Jacobs, I would. All right, Josh Jacobs or Michael Carter?
1: <laughs> I'll take Josh Jacobs.
0: Okay, because I was curious, because you said Trey Sermon. So I was like, where do you have Michael Carter compared to Trey Sermon? Um, so, I oh, so you're Carter a Jets guy. Where are you out. on Michael Carter? I So pre-draft, before anybody was ever drafted to a team, I had Michael Carter as my running back four behind Javante Williams. Cool. And that was purely based on just – I watched – I you know, I, t- I turned this film on, and I was like, yo, this guy is good. And he's like, he's led them – He's led them in rushing yards each of the last three years, uh, or not led them in rushing yards, but he led them the previous two years. Devontae Williams really came on the scene this year, but even he still had 1,500 yards from scrimmage. He led the team in yards from scrimmage this year. And when I watch him, I I know everyone says Devontae Freeman, and and that makes sense because low center of gravity and and the thighs and whatnot. But when I watch him and his skill set and how – North Carolina used him I'm comparing him from a talent perspective, but he reminds me so much of Alvin Kamara just in, in the, the things that he can Whoa. do on a football field. Whoa. I know it's crazy praise, but just watching him in space, watching how North Carolina used him, uh, watching his ability as a receiving back, uh, his ability to also be used as, as a, as a runner, as a true, like, um, you know, inside outside runner, and the fact that he he runs hard down by the goal line as well. He's somebody I was high on, and when the Jets drafted him in the fourth round at one hundred and seven, I was through the moon. So uh, I couldn't be happier. He's somebody that I'm constantly trying to scoop in the in the back half of the you know one twelve to two hundred three range wow, of these rookie real? drafts. Whoa. I'm really, yeah, I'm really high on Michael Carter. I was like I said, I was high on him before the draft i'm high on him now that's one quarterback league sorry i would specify oh okay
1: okay all right. right
0: one one okay. one quarterback league. so that's like 204 His,
1: range okay that makes yeah sense.
0: two yeah 204 to 206 range in super flex but yeah michael carter is somebody i'm really high on especially look at I've the recovered
1: now sorry i really threw me for a loop because <laughs> you know what he's going i've seen him go 107 in a super flex league i've seen him go that high oh wow um i've seen him go belt. over justin fields
0: i think Okay. Then yeah, no. yeah, this is those people can draft their teams how they like, but I will not be doing that myself. I'm sorry. <laughs> uh,
1: I was hoping for us to get real fire from you, but no, yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah, so that's where I'm at on Michael Carter. If I can whatever I can kind of do to get him on my rosters, I mean I'm not going through the moon because his profile with the draft capital ends up not being that great, but just from what I've seen on the film and the opportunity that he has, am I'm, I'm I'm excited.
1: I, I don't bl- I mean I don't blame you. I, I pr- he's probably a little bit better of a natural runner than James White, and he's probably not as good of a receiver as James White. I think just hands wise, but I think mm-hmm. if you ag- the aggregate of James, he's you know if you give him a little bit better rushing, but a- not quite as great with just catching the ball. I think that's what you get as James White kind of. So maybe you get some of those RB two type production from. My- I don't I don't see him getting over fifteen opportunities in a game. I just I, I would struggle to see. Do you think he's got that kind of upside to get over 15 touches a game?
0: I mean, 15 touches, it's not that its not that difficult really to see that happening, right? When you look at, again, just look at the, the players around him. It's Josh, you know, uh, Michael P. Ryan, who I don't think is very good. I didn't think he was good when the Jets drafted him. I don't think he's very good after I've seen a year. Granted, it's only one year, but not a huge fan of Michael P. Ryan. Ty Johnson, who had moments last year. Um you know, it has that home run speed Tevin Coleman, who's like 50 years old. And then Josh Adams, who is like a special teams player, um, you know, practice squad fringe guy that, you know, comes up every now and then. So that's really his competition for touches. And you look at the jets offense. I think when you look at the fact that they'll be down, you know, they should be down, you know, they're only projected to win six games this year. Um, he should be on the field for those third down opportunities to catch the, to catch the football. Uh, And so I think he can come by 10, 10 to 15 opportunities, you know, pretty, I think that's, I think that's a, I think that's a pretty good, there's a pretty good chance that that happens. Especially when you look at this offense, the Kyle Shanahan scheme, the outside zone running scheme, the additions that the Jets have made on the offensive line, they went offensive line with their second of their two first round picks. So they upgrade that there as well. I think I I do think there's a a world where he does see that 15 opportunity ceiling.
1: So 22 players last season who played at least 12 games had 15 touches or more. Um, So, yeah, I guess I was thinking it was more like 12 or 13. So 22, a little bit more than I thought. So, yeah, I guess, you know, you could see it. You could see it. What my question is, as a Jets fan, you've probably done a lot more work on Zach Wilson than I have. Does Zach Wilson target the running back much?
0: Yes. Yeah. Uh, that's one thing. That's one of the things I, I wrote down almost immediately. Um, he will get the ball down to his running back because he, he likes using all five eligibles. And he, like I said, he's very quick with that trigger and he's very decisive. So if the running back is a dude open in the flat, he'll, he'll dump it down and he'll get it. To and he
1: gets back. it out in front of him too. That kind of stuff. You know, you know what I'm yeah. trying to
0: say, right? All right. Yeah. Cool. No, yeah. I, I didn't know that about his
1: game. So that's good.
0: Yeah, so I think it's perfect, you know, the, when you look at the, the receivers they put around them, right, they're, you know, almost built, he's, you know, Elijah Moore is going to be perfect for that, you know, the RPOs that they're going to be putting in, and then especially, and he even talked about, uh, he even, again, I'm a nut, so I'm watching all these press conferences, <laughs> is that they, is that they asked Zach Wilson about Michael Carter, and the first thing he said was he's got good hands, uh, so he could be a nice. weapon for us out the back. He's a good so pass I, blocker too, right? Uh, I think PFF had graded them pretty. I was just looking through PFF's grades, um, but PFF had graded them pretty low. I think.
1: Oh, so it's the opposite. I knew it was one of the two. Which if, it's obviously, yeah, that's an obvious statement. But okay, that makes. For some reason, I thought he was high because I thought that the running backs coach did a really good job teaching pass blocking. But um...
0: maybe maybe I'm maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I, I could have just been looking at the. Um, I could have just been looking at the Senior Bowl. Cause I think that's what it was. I was the senior oh. bowl grades and I was looking at pass protection grades from the senior bowl. Cause that's like a large sample size to use.
1: Right. I, I don't oh, <laughs> for a second. I thought you're being serious. I was like, uh, <laughs> I was like, Oh, you got me for a second. I was like, cause I'm like, I'm so anti senior bowl. What has triggered me was that like 60% of the players who are drafted this year, I think went to the senior bowl. And just because, and I think the, the narrative is that it's because teams couldn't meet with all these players like they normally do. And talked all, and I'm just like, God, that just come on, guys. We're living in freaking 2021.
0: Zoom, (laughs) like, serious. uh, But yeah. Uh, Anyway, but yeah, no, Michael. The last thing on Michael Carter, he gets knocked for being a small guy, but same thing as I would say with Rondell Moore. He's short, not small. He's five eight, but he's 201 pounds.
1: Yeah. Yep. I mean, I I don't think he's he. He heats, He meets a threshold where he. I think he. Act honestly. I think the ideal spot is for him to get twelve to fifteen touches a game. You don't want him yeah. getting that consistently like seventeen or eighteen, which is that's pretty unheard of anyway. For but you don't. You don't want to use. I think you're using him incorrectly if he's getting more than fifteen touches a game.
0: Absolutely, absolutely. Um, you know, just get him involved in the screen game. Give him, give him a few carries. You know, you usually, you know, mostly in the reception work. But yeah. Don't know how we ended up on Michael Carter. Oh, because we were down on Josh Jacobs, and so I asked yeah. that question. Okay, all right. So I think that's all we got tonight, Dave. I don't have anything else, and I don't want to keep you much longer. Um, but did you have anything else? I know that uh, obviously you're you're doing work with Dynasty League Football. You have the the, the podcast Tell Two Rivals and the Rookie Fever. What else do you have going on? Where can people find you? I know you've got your Patreon page as well. What's what's going on, Dave?
1: Yeah, so everything you said, definitely check out. You know, rookie fever. We did a lot of. I had a lot of fun with uh, swags and Finero uh, this year. We did three rookie profiles. Each one of us did one rookie profile per week from like starting in February. We ended the week before the draft. Uh, we had over thirty rookie profiles. Those were nice, easy to adjustable. Pause, listen under thirty minutes usually. So if you want to go back and re-listen to those, as um, I just actually had someone DM me today saying that they were going back and revisiting because, you know, you get caught up in this hype and it's good to go back and have an easy medium to go, you know, an easy platform to go back and listen to like, Hey, what was, what were we realistically thinking before the draft happened? And so that was a lot of fun. And then, you know, tail to rivals is my, when my buddy Todd, we just, you know, we talk everything dynasty to redraft to everything. But, um, and, and like you said, the Patreon is mostly my Patreon is just a place for me to put all of my stuff, my data. I have like, you know, it feels like I have 500 databases now, but it's where I put my like combine stuff, my, my rookie stuff, uh, my NFL database, I have a weekly database. That's where I put everything. And it's just a place for me to post thoughts. There is some premium content on there, but it's just a place where people appreciate some of these. Like I've got my prospect database, which has over 2000 players. They've 2003 and it's got every available metric that you could possibly hope for all in one spot. Uh, so that's, if you like that kind of stuff, definitely go out and check the Patreon. But honestly, what well, I'd like to, to take, as you know, I mentioned all these things first, but I'd like to spend more time on talking about the SFB Potathon is happening in Scott Fishbowl season. John, I remember last year you were you were in Scott Fishbowl, right? I was not, but I oh, did get my invite this. That's year. Wh- that's what it was. I knew that you were, you were part of it. Uh, you you got the invite this year. Um, congratulations! That's really exciting. First off, thank you. <laughs> um, but I I do a lot behind the scenes with the Potathon with Kev. Um, Steve's chair and uh, Sal Lato over there, and I do a lot of the the fun. I, I'll be sliding into everyone's DMs to try to get people sponsoring ours. You know, there you can sponsor your favorite analysts. Matthew Barry goes on there, and you you know it's the Scott Fishbowl Potathon is I like to or not the Scott Fishbowl and the Potathon are some of the best parts of the fantasy community where we come together for it's like the fantasy's biggest fantasy football league. And it's free, and we raised I think over forty thousand dollars last year for charity, for the Equal Justice Initiative, and for Toys for Tots. This year we're hoping to break that again, maybe go over the fifty k mark would be a lot of fun, but definitely I'll be sliding into everyone's DMs to try to see you know if you have a podcast, if you have a website, we're trying to get you to sponsor because you know that some of the people, some of the p- biggest names in the industry right now got their start on that Scott Fishbowl Potathon. Uh, the ball blast girls they came on at like 3 a.m. one year, and then with and because of that appearance, I don't know that and they put in a lot of work and, and everything along those lines, but you know, that was a jumping off point for them. Where the year later, they got a primetime spot, they had over 15,000 followers, their own website, writing for DraftKings and for the NFL, like the official NFL in the stats department. So, just Scott Fishbowl Podathon a jumping off part, point for people to raise money for a very important causes. And it's about us all coming together. So definitely check that out. I'll be sliding to a lot of people's DMs because Scott Fish, Salito, Kevin, and Steve do a lot of work. And I, I like to be behind the scenes trying to get as much money as possible for everyone over there.
0: Yeah, man. Well, definitely all the listeners listening to this, make sure you uh, find Dave. Make sure you follow the Scott Fishbowl Podathon. They have their own Twitter page, if I'm not mistaken. Yep. So make sure you follow that as well. And uh Know Dave, me and you definitely will have to connect on that front as well because definitely want to know how I can contribute and how I can help. So, everyone, please go give Dave a follow, go check out his work because, like you've heard from this hour long podcast, I think it's been an hour, I don't know. Time flies, feels short for me, felt short to me. (laughs) Uh, but anyway, make sure you go and give Dave a follow because, like, like we said. His work is phenomenal, if you haven't been able to tell from from this podcast. So, Dave, really appreciate you coming on. We're definitely going to have to do it again. And uh, everyone, thank you for listening.
1: John, thanks for having me.